0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Welcome. To another episode of On the Bench. This is Trey Rowland, kind of like guest hosting for Brendan Sinone, but lucky you, he's still on the podcast. He's just here as a guest. I'm here with Brendan. I'm here with Zach. And guys, candidly, these are my favorite type of podcasts because today we're going to be talking about the behind the scenes of the 2023 recruiting cycle. I love these. It's a lot of stuff. You guys, Knowles 24-7 is the most well-sourced, well-informed team on the beat, bar none. But unfortunately, because we don't want to screw anything up, sometimes we got to hold a little bit back from you guys. We hate it. We don't like it, but we got to make sure that everything goes smoothly. The dust is settled. The names are signed on the line, which is dotted. So now it's time for an expose, a tell all, all the crazy stories that we've only hinted at so far of the 2023 recruiting class. I love these type of podcasts. I'm glad I get to be a part of it. Brendan, what's up? Are you psyched?
1: I'm super excited for this. I think this is going to be fun, hopefully informative. You know, some things maybe Knowles uh, 24-7 subscribers know already from following along. But the goal is for everyone to learn something and be hopefully wildly entertained, which is why you're hosting this and not me.
0: Oh, disagree. Hard disagree. But that is right.
1: A lot of our subscribers,
0: if you're on the board, you probably know some of this stuff. So go ahead and subscribe now. But if you don't, we're going to give you some nuggets of why you should. Zach, South Florida, as always, was an absolute mess during the 2023 recruiting cycle. Shenanigans of all sorts were afoot where does this cycle rank for you in terms of like all time crazy recruiting cycles that you've covered, man? Cause it seemed like a lot happened in your neck of the woods.
2: Yeah. I mean, specifically South Florida was pretty crazy, even for, for South Florida standards. I think I said that um, kind of reporting on the Conrad Hussey situation, which we'll get into <gasps> later, but, but, you know, maybe I have a somewhat limited scope of, uh, you know, covering recruiting just cause I've only been doing it for a few years. Unlike, you know, guys like Chris and Brendan that have been doing it for longer but this is, you know, by far the, the craziest one I've covered. And, you know, maybe that's to do with me covering this one more extensively than others, um, just because i you know, gotten better at my job, hopefully, over the years. Oh. Um, but there were a ton of recruitments that you can point to this cycle that were just absolutely crazy, right? Like, that, I could tell stories about these for years to come. Um, and I feel like, you know, yeah, I, I, I think this cycle just from top, or from beginning to finish, there were there were so many different storylines. Um, we'll get into all of them, but, but man, um, that stuff close to signing day was just absolutely wild and um, just a, t- a time to remember for sure. And it was,
0: dude. Commitments, decommitments, flips, kids that went elsewhere that came back in the fold, quarterback drama. Dude, it, re- it really had everything. Obviously, we're in kind of like a new era, the NIL era of college football. I think that that you know, couple with the transfer portal, that's making everything like more. <laughs> it's all it's all a new frontier, right, guys? A lot of this stuff, even though you have been recovering it and covering it well, Zach, you know, for not that long, you kind of stepped into one of the craziest cycles of it. Brendan, I had a question for you because you got a little bit more perspective than Zach or I. Is there like a positive correlation when you're covering a team like the crazier the cycle, the better the recruiting class? or is that is there no correlation whatsoever?
1: Oh that's a great question. I, I think there is a correlation because it means you're if things are getting weird, it usually means you're in it for commodities for guys that mul- multiple schools want. so yes, so like if if you are trying to trying to get a Conrad Hussey and Edwin Joseph and you're having to fend off a Penn State, a Miami, a Louisville, Auburn, whatever these these schools have strong relations. Ships in South Florida, for example, uh, th- that means something. You're doing something right to be involved in those recruitments. So yeah, definitely. And I do agree with your previous point, Trey. Like the NIL combined with transfer portal has sped everything up. It's changed timelines, uh, trends that we used to follow for recruiting. Uh, that like Berg would have always said, like follow like the follow the the visits. Uh, some of that doesn't even really matter anymore. This has all just been. Flipped upside down. It's made it really fun from a recruiting perspective or coverage perspective of recruiting uh, because it is so fast and so hectic and so crazy, but also a little exhausting too. Zach and I were and Chris everyone we were looking rough at the end of at the end of uh, December for sure.
0: And full for full disclosure, Brendan was doing the first part of this podcast from a literal hammock, so he is soaking up all of the R and R that he can get. I think you're right, maybe minus like the Travis Hunter cycle, which was totally like. Craziest recruiting cycle ever. Most terrible result combined. I think there is something to the crazier the cycle, the better the overall class. But let's get into it, Zach. We teased it. The Conrad Hussey situation. Up, down, back, forth. Dream school. Like, we were the dream school. We weren't the dream school. There were dreamier schools. Dude, what happened with this? Like, what literally happened that final week?
2: Yeah. Well, I want to actually start before the final week because I think Ooh, this one context. is it's just if you add the context, it's just even more crazy. Right. So he so his timeline with Florida State starts um, in the spring, he gets offered. He doesn't visit in the spring. In the summer, he tries to make a, a low key visit to, to FSU. Um, it was like right before one of their camps and they were just hosting him for a few hours alongside um, his teammate, which we'll get into later. That's actually an important part of this recruitment. Um, But basically, I got wind of this that he was on campus and I reported it. because
1: Zach it. screwed it up, Trey. That's going to be a common theme in a lot um, of, a lot now of I,
0: I would like to say, as much as we can, if there's any time where your recruiting caused you a little bit of strife inside the moor when we saw the coaching staff, please obviously elaborate on that. The people <laughs> would like to know. Zach, did you get a little bit of heat for reporting that visit?
2: No, honestly, the staff didn't care. It was mostly uh, Hussey's camp himself. They actually reached out to me. Um, to tell me to keep it on the low, even though I had already like posted it and posted it to Twitter and stuff. Um, (laughs) but yeah, he was, he was committed to Penn state at the time. Um, he had been committed since April and that was a June visit. Um, we didn't talk to him after the visit or anything like that. So no, no more news coming out of that trip. Um, although I had heard that it it went well and that FSU, um, was going to continue to recruit him to try and work towards a flip later on in the cycle. Well, he doesn't visit FSU again until his December official visit, which was the two weekends before signing day. So not the weekend before signing day, but the week before that. Um, That kind of, you know, I broke the news when he arrived on campus, got word of it happening that week from his camp, and then he made it. Um, And after that trip, man, it seemed like Florida State had the lead. Um, That's what I had been told. Um, And, and, you know, I trust my sourcing around this recruitment specifically because I feel like I had the pulse of it at at every – um, step of the way in this last week. I mean, and and this is like you said before, this is kind of when it gets really crazy. Um so I think after the FSU official visit, FSU had moved into the lead, but obviously there was about a week until signing day, which was that following Wednesday. Um, I had heard that Penn State was actually regaining some ground later on in that week um, before that final official visit weekend, and they might have, you know they had the best shot of keeping him uh, in their class at that point. Well, then, he was supposed to head to an official visit to Colorado. Oh, that's um, which, right. Yeah. That Surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Out of nowhere. After
1: um, it came out that he didn't like cold weather. Right. Yeah. Wasn't that so part he of said,
2: team? yeah, I had heard after his FSU official, uh, which was about like, I think 60 or like high 50, um, out like in Tallahassee at that time. Yeah. And he was out at one of their, um, bowl practices. And I was told he was like too cold in like a jacket there. Uh, so then, he was supposed to be at Colorado that weekend. That didn't happen. The connection there is his teammate slash, I think, godbrother um, was committed to Colorado at the time. Isaiah Harge, I believe his name is. Um, and that visit didn't end up happening, like I said. He ends up going to, spending the weekend in Coral Gables, Miami, um, with with Mario Cristobal and staff. So they get the last um, shot at, in Conrad Hussey's recruitment, You know, hosting him on a, on a campus before... He signs that week during the early signing period. Um, you know, I was still hearing that Penn State, after the Miami official visit, that Penn State was in the lead. Um, this is about two days away from the start of early signing period. So that, that signing period stretches from Wednesday to Friday. And that's important, obviously, with, with what I'm about to get into. Early Wednesday, I was hearing that Florida State uh, may have moved itself into the lead. Um <laughs> But It's not over, it's just
0: dude. There's like leader, yeah. like, there's a new leader every week, dude. Exactly. It's better than NASCAR. Yeah. It's insane. I remember
2: I went back to my reporting on this, like one of the board posts I made on those 7 and I literally said this intel changes by the hour. So, um, you know, shout out to the guy, the our Penn State Tyler Calver Russo. I hope I'm saying his last name right. He was helping me out kind of some with the Penn State, uh, you know, how they were feeling, and he had been hearing the same thing, so uh. He did not sign on that Wednesday, the first day of the early signing period. He elected not to sign and he pushed his recruitment into Thursday. Um real quick,
1: uh Mike Norvell was late to his his press conference, which if you guys know Mike Norvell, he is never he is super punctual, he's never late. And do we know
0: why he was late?
1: He was dealing with he was dealing with something. (laughs) What? Uh a fair assumption. I mean, he didn't come out and say it, but he was dealing with something, and it was around the, the way that Conrad Hussey commitment ceremony was supposed to happen, or when they were expecting it, coincided with the end of the day when the press conference would have been. So presumably, connecting dots there, Trey, it, it was the Conrad Hussey recruitment. Presumably,
0: of course, presumably. absolutely not. I mean, nothing concrete, but you know, we're you know we're observant gentlemen. Okay, continues that.
1: Yeah, just to show that things were were juggling and, and being juggled, I guess, at that point. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was crazy. Um, So, you know, at this point, I viewed this as a Penn state Florida state battle with Miami on the outside looking in Um, his camp was not a real fan of Miami. Um, Just didn't, you know, jive with the coaching staff that much from what I heard. There were some conflictions because I think, so he attends St. Thomas Aquinas and I mean, this is not really important to the the final uh, part of the recruitment, but he attends St. Thomas Aquinas and Jason Taylor, who's on the Miami coaching staff. um, The, you know, former NFL star um, was an off-field assistant for them. And I think that kind of could have prevented him from being there unless they hired him to their on-field staff. So just Mm -hmm. a little note on Miami's involvement. Um, They definitely were interested and were trying to push for him. Um, But the reason why he didn't sign Wednesday is because he still was undecided. Um, He, I think Penn State, like I mentioned, um, Florida State opened the day as the leader. I think Penn State might have crept in and and took the, the lead spot. Um leaving Wednesday. Zach, the- question,
0: what it like what what motivated the kid so like what did he care about? Like Florida State kept creeping and then Penn State would re up. Like what was what was important to him? Like what do you know any idea of what the pitch was from each side that was swaying him both directions?
2: Yeah. Well, there was a ton of uh, a ton of factors involved in this. Um I think one thing was that you know, Florida State was his dream school growing up. Um, that's kind of what kept FSU in the mix over Miami, uh, in the end, because that's a school he grew up loving, um, you know, absolutely loved the feeling he got on the official visit. Um, but Penn state was the school he'd been committed to for pretty much the entire cycle, right? He, he kind of blew up that spring, um, the previous spring and then com- made an early commitment to Penn state had a really good relationship with that staff. They recruit the state of Florida exceptionally well for, for an out-of-state school. Um, Jawan Siders, the, the coach, uh, you know, most FSU fans will be familiar with because he's just been rumored so much. Um, Obviously, a former UF assistant and he's been rumored to be, you know, FSU was interested in him last cycle, um, possibly to to come in and and be a a staffer here. And when that whole Ron Dugan's uh, fiasco was going on. But yeah, I mean, it was just, um, you know, the loyalty of, of being committed to a school for so long versus, you know, staying with your heart and going to the dream school that you grew up loving. Um, That was also, you know, it's been involved in his recruitment for a a long period of time. Um, There were other factors. um, You know, one was, you know, where his godbrother was going to go to school. He ended up signing with Colorado. So that threw a wrench in things um, because I think originally the plan was that they were both going to go to Florida State. And he might have been like more of a preferred walk on type. Yeah. um, At FSU. That didn't happen. He just ended up wanting to get a spot at Colorado. um, And, you know, Conrad was going to make his decision on his own. Um, but that was a huge portion of it. They were all in the group chat talking about, you know, where are we going to end up? Um, and then after that first day, he's like, I'm not going to um, take my recruitment any further. And and his his godbrother slash teammate uh, made the decision to sign with Colorado. But, yeah, so w- So Wednesday night, um, you know, he comes to the decision, I'm not going to sign. I think Penn State was probably the leader then. And then Thursday came and I was making calls and, and found out he was going to announce his decision that night. Oh. Before, before he announced I got a call and was told that Hussey's camp was shopping for FSU gear leading up to the announcement not like you know from someone in Hussey's camp not someone like just seeing them out in the, you know, out the
0: mall or something. <laughs> yeah um, but, finish line or something just like, yeah
2: so <laughs> you
1: know, which has actually happened before I was at goals uh, yeah. with my wife once we saw I think it was Bishop Thomas's family buying FSU gear but I didn't know they were Bishop Thomas's family at the time until we got back to the
2: that he brought like 15 family members. I remember that. Yeah. Um, so it has you know, happened. Yeah. So that's the moment, you know, when I heard that I had some legit confidence. I didn't go out and put a crystal ball in or anything, um, but I had legit confidence that FSU was going to land him in that point. And that was a, you know, an hour or two before he, he made the decision to announce on Instagram live. Um, and, and finally that recruitment, um, the crazy one w- w- was finally over that night on Thursday night. He ended up uh, signing with, with Florida state over Penn state and Miami.
0: Ups and downs, it had all the cliches, the boxes were checked, shout out knee, it had a dream school. It had a potential package deal that, of course, fell through, yeah. and it had signing day drama. The Wild, man. That's one I think you're going to remember for a while. You, it was funny you mentioned you didn't put in a crystal ball. Your colleague, Brendan Sinone, may have gotten in some issues with his crystal ball selection, and it's kind of affecting, I think, a, like a company-wide policy of what we choose to do with these. Brendan, you put in a crystal ball really early to West Coast four-star linebacker Blake Nicholson. Caused a little bit of commotion. Why did you get some heat? What happened because of it? Give us the kind of the that whole that whole situation, because that was very interesting.
1: So so I put it in at some point before he visited for a second time in the summer. And we were hearing that he might visit that second time. And it was going to be a longer visit, about three or four days and a pretty truncated window where you only had a few days to get your visits, And if I'm not mistaken. So reading the tea leaves, I was like, oh, that seems like a really good sign for FSU that he has, that Blake Nicholson has only a truncated window to make this visit before the season starts, and he's using it to go across the country to Florida State. Right. At that that point, Oregon was considered the favorite for him, and FSU was trying to make the kid move across the country. Uh, To to play for them. And that typically doesn't happen. So uh, I was feeling a little frisky, put in the crystal ball. And I think at that point, Zach, were we, were you, have you already sworn away crystal balls at this point?
2: Yeah, I think it was after that Avery Stewart stuff at the beginning of July. But it was around that time
1: period. So it was around this time period. Of,
0: you know, so, Avery's Brendan, it was a pure, like, which they kind of used to be, right? Like, a lot of people, some people use it differently. It's like when they know concretely, that's when they put in the crystal ball. A lot of people do it as a crystal ball. They try to, like, read the future, read the room. Like, and it's a really predictive measure. That's <laughs> what you were doing. It was just an actual public prediction you didn't know anything concrete right other
1: than the visit was expected which was a huge piece of the puzzle but yeah I didn't know that he was going to commit to Florida State Uh, I don't know if he knew he was going to commit to Florida State at that point so I think when that crystal ball was put in and I do use the the crystal ball as a predictive measure it is not a always or not often a, a this is for sure happening type of thing so I think that's the point of it but I think initially feedback that we got when after I put that in and it was a big deal. Like blew up on social media. People were talking about it. And I didn't think it was going to have quite as much traction as it did. Uh, but I think it surprised people. I think FSU was they liked where they were sitting at that point, which was they internally thought they were the leaders, but didn't think anyone externally thought that. So uh, that may have kind of blown up their spot a little bit. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that, but, but here's what happens. So that shed, as far as I understand it, Trey, that shed a light that, Oh, FSU is legitimately in here in the mix here for him. Well, Tosh, Lu, what was it Lupoy? Lupi? Yeah. Tosh Lupoy Yeah. Lupoy Tosh Lupoy. Uh, The defensive coordinator now, but in linebackers coach at Oregon, who was handling the Blake Nicholson recruitment, from my understanding, did not care for that crystal ball that I put in either because that surprised him as well. He thought Oregon was sitting in a great spot. So what ends up happening is he starts turning up the heat a little bit on the Nicholson camp, uh, which as far as I understand, like some of that was him saying, you know, you guys can't visit during this window. You're not allowed to because of the dead period. And that just wasn't true. Oh, and,
0: you little, you little minx!
1: So Dirty I think tosh. he he may have hurt him his own school's chances by being overly aggressive in trying to squash the, that visit instead of just letting it happen organically. Uh, to where that kind of turned off the Nicholson family of of wanting to to do business at that point with with Oregon to to be recruited by them. So uh, that ended up being. You know, I, I don't think FSU liked it at the time when I put it in the crystal ball, but I think it ended up helping them a little bit because it kind of drove a little bit of a wedge, at least momentarily, uh, in in between Blake Nicholson and, and the Oregon, which allowed FSU to kind of finalize things and, and get it done.
2: Do you think Tosh hates you now?
1: Now he does. He's
0: a big on the bench listener. We see the metrics.
1: It is nuts to me that my crystal ball would somehow impact the way an Oregon assistant could. Could go about their recruiting like it, it is a, a weird phenomenon that I don't feel like I still fully grasp. I don't know if that's happened before. The I don't know if it's weirdly
2: sense. it's weirdly so important. Like that's why I've kind of strayed away from it a little bit. Maybe I'll get back into
1: it. Yeah, you don't want to do the important stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, Bre- definitely Brendan, you said that you
0: think the FSU staff may have been a little perturbed with it. Or is that did they tell you that they were?
1: Uh, they didn't tell me that was, if I could speak for Zach, relayed to Zach, which was relayed to me in this instance. I tell your
0: boy to ease off the Twitter fingers, <laughs> the, the crystal fingers, whatever. Yeah.
1: Pretty yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Will this change the
0: way that you do crystal balls in the future? Or are you still going to stand on business and continue um, to ball the way you want?
1: I'll put in a crystal ball when I think there's a good reason to put in a crystal ball. It, it was... Crystallize, crystallizing, if you will, to oh, see boy. like oh, had the, the, to do that. This to does do <laughs> this does impact recruitments more than I'm not two feet in like Zach is and Chris is covering recruiting. Like I'm the team beat writer, but sometimes I do get involved in re- different recruitments and am able to help out in, in different ways. And so I feel kind of guilty, Trey, like of like that I can screw things up and make life more difficult for Zach and and Chris and Dane you because look. I'm just. I, I mean, I do until it, it gets to the point where multiple coaching staffs are seething based off the, the five-second choice that I made to, to hit FSU, crystal ball, enter. <laughs> from the hammock. Yeah, from, from, from <laughs> the, the hammock. hammock. <laughs> just, just chilling, sipping on a bourbon, not even thinking of the ramifications of what's uh, happening.
0: Just, just, a, just a lightning rod. Now, Zach, you kind of you let a little cat out of the bag. Are we changing the crystal ball methodology? You've sworn it off. You've given That's it up me. for Lent. Is it time for your Fat Tuesday?
2: We'll see. We'll see. Um, I think, uh, I think I'm going to, I'm going to be careful with it. Um, it's just fans get too riled up over them. They're supposed to be predictions. Like you said, not, this is definitely definitively what's going to happen. Um, and I think that's what it kind of became within the past year and Mm -hmm. with NIL included, like these recruitments can get flipped on their head within, you know, a night, right? Like one conversation, Oh, you're going to make this amount of money, uh, amount of money at this school this kid's completely changing his decision based on a financial
1: opportunities this amount of opportunities zach not money it's not pay for play
0: i'd say for everybody to remember it is a prediction but it's also a snapshot of a moment in time and with the flood of new information 17 18 year old kids everything is fluid but remember, snapshot in time. I'd like you to see get back on your balls, man. I think that'd be fun, Zach. Five-star wide receiver, Hikeem Williams. The one that you, especially when you thought in the summer, I thought coming off a 5-7 and seven season, the big guns that were after him, no way. I just didn't think with Florida State's wide receiver recruiting recent history, I just said no, no shot. The Knolls get him to commit. And one of the more solid recruitments that I've seen, I don't even know that he even really ever visited anywhere after he committed to FSU, at least on the surface. Zach, what was, was there anything going on behind the scenes, or was his hikeem as solid as he seems and his shirts purport him to be?
2: Yeah, I mean, throughout his, the entirety of his recruitment following his late September commitment to Florida State, um, there wasn't really anything to worry about. He visited Miami once for a home football game. You know, wasn't around their facility at all because that's a, as FSU fans know, forty-five minute drive from their campus. But um, he, he watched them lose a home football game. Besides that, he did not visit <laughs> other schools. Um, you know, Brenda can kind of get into the details on that. I, I wanted to talk more about that last day, which is I think what you're referencing, right? Yeah, the, I heard, heard some stuff.
0: I heard yeah. some people a little, little bit of um desperation is kind of what I heard.
2: Yeah. Um, definitely that, um, at least on one side. So I know that, um, Mario Cristobal from Miami, obviously, uh, reached out to his camp or multiple times, um, over the last 48 to 24 hours of that recruitment, um, from what I saw. And some of those messages were wild. I mean, I'm not going to get into specifics, but just like you said, desperation. How about
0: generalities?
2: Yeah. Um, desperation, uh,
1: Random, random Twitter
2: facts, yeah. thirsty, like
1: a, a bit thirsty, if, oh. if
2: we thirsty. may, yeah, just like very just not coming off as a as a, a leader of a college football program.
1: I, I Z- Zach will get into specifics, but is comfortable saying thirsty and not a fit to lead a. a I, I did program. throw thirsty in his
0: mouth.
2: <laughs> hey, we well, told Trey to push kid us. show. Um, no, I think kids show all right. Um, no, but. Continue. Yeah, I was made privy to, to some of the text exchange from crystal ball to Williams camp. And it, it was, it was wild. while. Um, and then another coach that FSU fans are unfortunately familiar with Deion Sanders. Oh boy. Um, former FSU DB obviously was also um, reaching out to Williams camp on that last day. And, you know, I, people were obsessed with, you know, Hakeem's gonna flip and all this stuff because of what happened in the cycle before with Travis Hunter obviously um so I'm like you know what I'm gonna go I, I watched the Edwin Joseph uh ceremony which we'll talk about in a bit um but then afterwards I went over to Hakeem's because I'm like you know let's go cover this no one else is there um <laughs> just in case yeah just it in was, case. it was at his middle school so it was kind of like I was like getting in like checked in like there's like all these like little kids running around me and stuff and I'm like you know, like you know, you only know get like checked into a school and they have to like take your photo. Mm-hmm. I did that, did the whole process, um, and then went into his ceremony. Um, and everyone was like already there, they were all decked out in the in Hakeem We Trust shirts. Um, and Hakeem wasn't on time, and that's you know, not uh, obviously it's like a South Florida like, like deal, so like we're not expecting these like ceremonies to be like super timely, but um, you know, it was like 15 20 minutes late, and you know. I was being told that like he was like feeling so or that they were getting some phone calls from from Deion Sanders. Um oh. and basically, you know, I I don't know the specifics of what Sanders said, but um it wasn't out of the blue. He had been trying to reach out to to their camp um within the last week of his recruitment to try and change his mind. Um obviously that didn't work. Hakeem, within the next hour uh signed with Florida State. Um and it it out, turns out that he had sent in his letter of intent to FSU. That morning at like nine a.m. or eight a.m. So solid, well, yeah. as
0: solid as the shirts purport exactly. to be. Go buy one.
2: Yeah, um, and he and he's already enrolled in Tallahassee and he's gearing up for spring ball in a in a couple of weeks. So um, just a crazy, you know, a little end there. Um, not too much drama. And I think a lot of people, when he first committed to Florida State, were expecting a lot of drama, especially after you know I think he committed then FSU lost like three straight games. Like yeah, right it was after the
0: streak, right? He had, yeah. he had the ceremony with the Florida State. I think Snoop was there, P dub yeah. was there. Yeah. It was a great ceremony, but everybody was so gun shy about it. At like they were looking for the first domino to fall. Yeah. And to your credit, and honestly, to the kids' credit, because it doesn't happen this way with a lot of five-star recruits outside of like quarterbacks, he was solid. Yeah, he was a great like bell cow for FSU. And he's not. He could be one of the ones that when you look back five or six years down the road, as, as people look at recruitments like LaMarcus Joyner and like Jeff Luke, like the recruiting domino that kind of like it marked the pivot point for the program. He's going to be one of them if Florida State can continue the success that they're having right now.
2: Yeah, most most definitely. And I think, you know, he's just a super humble dude. I mean, he's got all these people um, at a ceremony specifically um, just – praising him talking about how great he was. And he's just, um, you know, he, he's not a guy that that was all for the attention and the hype. I mean, he's a five-star guy. I mean, he's going to get a ton of attention um, on his own right. But but he wasn't, you know, he didn't play into it that much. He was all about, um, you know, he could have he gone to the, the uh, Army All-American game or Adidas All-American game, whatever they're calling it now, over in San Antonio, um, and played that All-Star week there. But he decided he wanted to get to FSU and enroll. Um, and start getting used to the the campus and and the off season conditioning. So, um, yeah, I I think super highly of Hakeem. He carries himself exceptionally well, um, and and I'm I'm personally excited for his his career at FSU.
0: I could tell your voice rose a whole octave there. Like there was some infusion of energy that came. You got in. really high pitched. That's yeah. that's Zach's very excited voice. Brendan, you're raising your finger up like you're in middle school. What would you like to say?
1: Oh no, it was Zach's voice that was going up as well. Oh I okay, I understood. But,
0: well, I, I am. Oh, go go ahead. I, was I, 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 will, on,
1: but. I will say real quick. He he stayed at Stranahan High School, which is not a South Florida power by any means. And, that's a good point. In the nine five four, like those guys flip schools pretty quickly. Is Zach can attest to. Yeah, so They're dropping edits now. <laughs> that they're dropped tra- that they're transferred schools uh, decision respected onto your third high school in as many years. Uh, that's another indication of, I think him understanding his roots and like that community, like helped him become who he is. And that was a big part of the ceremony that Dana and I were at when he committed to Florida state. It was so elaborate at the time, man. Like I was like, there's no way he could ever foot from Florida state. This is the most elaborate. commitment. It was cool. It was, it, cool it, 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 was, it was pretty cool. Uh, the only other thing I would just add at the end of his recruitment that uh, Zach touched on very well, but like I, I would add that he also the last two weekends of his recruitment in which he could take official visits, he went to California to LA for what he went was to, it? like
0: the Bahamas to swim with like marine life.
1: Yep, he went to the Bahamas and then he went to LA for something else. I can't remember. Some the
2: Chargers game. That's right. It was a Chargers Tom game. Samuel and yeah.
1: When FSU was operating at its fullest efficiency from recruiting, they were hiding to Marcus Walker. Jeremy Pruitt was hiding to Marcus Walker in the house away from Alabama back in 2013. So uh, going back to your point, when things get weird, Trey, that's usually a good sign of where you're at as a, as a program and the recruiting perspective.
0: Like it. Now we moved our stash houses to the Caribbean. We're definitely moving up in the moving world. Moving on up. So speaking of Mario Thursteball, I want to talk about the Daryl Jackson transfer portal recruitment dude what happened there that kid was locked up he just wants to see like an ill family member and then he's being chained to a radiator like a hannibal Lecter movie like mario won't let him go maybe i'm right maybe i'm using hyperbole maybe i'm wrong brendan what happened with poor
1: daryl jackson Who's now a Seminole
0: like he always wanted
1: to be? Just a smidge of hyperpolis. So he was he was the first domino to fall in FSU's highly rated transfer class. He was the very first one. Immediate. And, uh, yeah, it happened uh, <clears throat> I mean, so quickly. happened a little earlier than we had expected, like any of that stuff to really get going. And we're like, all right, and, like this is kind of an easy layup recruitment. He's from nearby Gaston County, about 30, 45 minutes from FSU. Not really a whole lot of other options around, so he wanted to go home be closer to uh, his mother who has has an ailment uh, a a chronic ailment and it seemed like it was done and he was at fsu he was at fsu for an official visit he actually like drove from his house to the official visit which typically doesn't happen again shows like how close he was and he was at orientation uh, about a two or three days before you officially enrolled like i think the orientation happened over the weekend or something like that zach and then And then the enrollment was supposed to be like that. But then. But then. But then what then happened? Then we got word. Oh man, it was it weird. Was, we kind of like almost by accident got word that like yep. there was something going on with him. Like it wasn't a typical, oh, hey, there's something going on and, and start digging on this. We kind of found out about it through like an independent party. And then we started digging on it. Zach and I both started digging and we found out that he wasn't fully committed to Florida state. And we're like, what does that mean? Who could it be? And come to find out it was Miami trying to lure him back to South Florida. So uh, I will do the cliff notes version of it real quick. And the Zach, you can fill in the gaps if you'd like, or trade, if you have any follow-ups, but uh, basically there was this Friday night in which and some of this, we're piecing together days after or a day after. So I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying this in the order of like, as we've all like this completed story, but there was a Friday night in which he started driving down to South Florida. And some of this really, like was put up on Instagram or, or whatever too. So you can kind of piece it together through that as well. Uh, and I have my wife decoding whether, is he driving west? Is he driving south? Where's she, the she's, cartographer? She's yeah, trying to get into yelling. it. She's reading the stars. Like, we're trying to get all astrolabes. Everything we, we can. But what was happening on that Friday was that I can't say Miami directly, but uh, those associated with Miami, Miami would have had room to make a concerted effort to bring multiple members of Florida State's defensive line I to South Florida for heard a about transfer. this too.
0: Multiple, multiple younger gentlemen too. Yeah. trying to like do a little platoon switch.
1: There is a corporate uh, phrase for this, and I can't remember. It's like helicoptering or something like that, something to do with flying. But basically, you take a a whole. A whole, uh, like a division, the whole division of of a certain company, and so this division was FSU's young defensive line. It would have uh, possibly been Patrick Payton, Josh Farmer, maybe Daniel Lyons. I've heard ended up all here and all these through multiple sources. Like this isn't, this isn't like someone from FSU was like, hey, can you guys get this out there? This isn't how that went down. We were getting it from independent sources. Not FSU related. I mean, this was from all over the place. Probably as well-sourced of like a story I think that Zach and I have ever combined with. It sounds like because they kind of did it a little messily on the South Florida
0: side, I'd imagine.
1: I mean, I can't attest to that, but it it didn't work out because everyone pretty much shut it down for on the Florida State side. Sorry, I was going to call. Everyone shut it down on the Florida State side, except for Daryl Jackson. That was the one that was still up in the air. He ended up making it down to South Florida, I think on Saturday. Uh, from what we gathered, FSU was kind of cool, just like letting it ride. Let's just see what happens. It's not where he goes on Saturday. It's where he ends up on Sunday. Zach, take it from there, I guess. We ended up finding out he he made one and more Zach car drive. Too,
0: if you can, there was some chatter out there about a waiver because obviously this would be his second transfer. He transferred from Maryland to Miami, now Miami to Florida State. There is a hardship waiver process. There was some talk, I don't know, like how much of it was accurate that there needed to be like an agreement from the Miami side to make this wave, the way make the waiver easier to go through. So just elaborate on that too, if you could, as you explain the kind of tail end of this thing.
2: Yeah. Well, I think the, so I had heard from an independent source not involved with either school. Um, that was just kind of new of the recruitment um, and basically was told that Miami was not about to sign um, the waiver. And, and, From what Brendan told me, essentially that what that meant was that um, I believe it just would have made it easier um, for him to get the waiver at at Florida State if Miami signed off on it because the NCAA would just look at that and be like, okay, we're just going to evaluate this situation. Mm -hmm. Instead, I think FSU uh, would have to appeal the waiver, um, the waiver process. There's no
1: process. It's not an assurance that he's able to be eligible for play in 2023, which – was being used as a tactic, as I understand it, to yeah. to, to make him want to return to Miami. Wow, I'm
0: real nice. Real classy move. Sick mom. Anyway, continue.
2: Yeah, so I'd heard that. Um, and like Brennan said, that was 100% a factor um, in this recruitment. I think Miami's messaging was like, if you stay at FSU, there's a good chance that you're not playing next year. Um, if you come back, you're playing... Um, you know, NIL was involved for sure mm-hmm. in this one. And I think, you know, that Sunday I'd, I'd start started making calls just surrounding the FSU program and was was told he was on his way up. Um and that was probably five, six, seven hours before he eventually made it. That's a long drive, all the way from Coral Gables to Tallahassee. Um but he did end up making it and then you know, I, I got word that he was there. Um and it was you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna like um we can cut this part out, but I don't want to. No, we're not. No, we're not. You, no, we're not.
0: you <laughs> go ahead.
2: No, but basically, I got proof that he was there. Um, My man's blushing matter. right now. Yeah, it didn't yeah. really matter, though, because 15 minutes later, he was on Instagram live for like two hours, like saying that he was there and that he chose to go to FSU for family over money and stuff. And like his words, oh, not ours. His yeah, words. Yeah, no, this is stuff he was posting on his Instagram. Um, so. You know, it was just funny because I had posted on the board and then I think as soon as I hit publish, I saw the Daryl Jackson is live on Instagram or something like that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shoot. Like, like, here, here goes my exclusive like uh, reporting. But no, you know, the recruitment came to an end that night. Um, I think he had, you know, kind of made up his decision that day, drove up to Tallahassee. Um, you know, I think having the guys on the team, especially Josh Farmer, who is his former high school teammate. Um, along with Corey Fuller, who's his former high school head coach and obviously former Florida State defensive back um, on staff. Those two played a a key role in in getting him to stay at FSU because of just, you know, obviously their ties to him. um, And, you know, they had been kind of like FSU's um, vocal point in this recruitment of being like, yo, like, come back, play with us. Like, you already made the decision. Like, you're going to, you know, go through the waiver process. And, you know, they – they, feel, they felt confident that he would uh, get the waiver. Obviously, we don't know on that yet. Um, but that was kind of the messaging from Florida, Florida State side, and obviously they ended up winning out.
0: Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Nice little end of cycle battle against Miami. Uh, Brendan, Jeremiah Byers, the UTEP offensive wineman. One of the most coveted, if not the most coveted offensive linemen of the transfer portal, Florida State beat out such power, like in a powerhouse like Ohio State,
2: Mm -hmm. a team that
0: is considered to be at the top tier of both playing and maybe even more so at the recruiting level and in in the sport right now. What was the deal around his recruitment? There was like questions about offers or something. Just go ahead. (laughs) What's going on there?
1: This is a cliff note, and because I don't my- even,
0: I don't even know about this one. Like this was uh, on our docket, I'm not even sure about
1: it. Oh, so you're putting it on me? That's cool. Um, oh, you is- made the docket, kid. <laughs> this is uh, this is microscopic part of uh, of the ultimate recruiting process for. Like this, this pales in comparison to the stories we've got over already, but uh, there was a little bit of. Uh, Source war between us and another outlet, maybe is the best way to. Oh, to yeah, it. of
0: course. I knew you were the one that put this one on there. Okay, <laughs> source <laughs> war.
1: We won. Go ahead. It, it is interesting with the transfer portal, everything moves so rapidly, so fast. It is recruiting on it, it's the cocaine bear of recruiting. It just Ooh, it is a reference. Thank Topical. You. Topical. I can't wait to watch that. Uh, it, looks it looks awful and great at the same time, like craft macaroni and cheese. Um, uh, and it, so it all happens so fast. To where what's happening like in one hour may not be true the next it's like a South Florida recruitment basically that's what the transfer portal is just absolutely throughout the entire country and, and so with Jeremiah Byers, uh, he claimed an FSU offer the I think first day that he entered the transfer portal, which is one of those like first couple days where things were really heating up when guys were allowed to when the when the window uh, opened which also
0: what, one thing I want to add on to. This outlet has put a ton of resources and a lot of it is coincided with the amount of interest that Florida state's coaching staff and you guys our subscribers have put in the transfer portal. So those guys, I'm just the dumb podcast video, man, but Brad, but Zach, Brendan, Chris, Dane, Brett, all those dudes, we put a lot of resources just for transfer portal recruiting and it's making calls, independent sourcing, doing like third-party evaluations of kids at Florida State is maybe not even offered yet. So I think when it comes to like transfer portal, like information, we we put a lot of effort into it, and we try to give you guys the best info possible. So I think that's kind of like a good background. Just when the season's over, (laughs) it's almost like our guys' season begins again, maybe even more intensely because the transfer portal is such a – Truncated window of activity, so I just want to
1: give you guys a shout out. I I looked like crap for a few days there. Did I look awful, Zach? And sounded bad? Like it, it was it was not great. Uh, it I was, was so fun tired. though. It was probably the most fun I've had in a, a three or four day window of covered stuff because it was moving so fast. But so the Jeremiah Byers thing is really just it shows like I think with recruiting we get into this black and white. Deal with just semantics end up ruling the day and like he claimed to have an offer uh, one outlet said it, it's not an offer which which is fine uh but then also added that yeah he was he was using it as a way to promote himself and get more interest yeah My, my oh, whole thing, which that's what I took offense of. I was like, okay, we'll he's like a time. top 10 kid in the portal, man. Yeah. The people are interested. <laughs> and regardless <laughs> if it was a hey, you have a scholarship offer at Florida State, or hey, come here for an official visit, we want to keep recruiting you, whatever it is, FSU wanted him. I was told by one source, like, quote unquote, we would be lucky to have him. And so that was the main thing. It was like, FSU wanted him, I think they wanted him to be under the radar, which is why that narrative got out there. But, like, you know, once once people who know what they're looking at put on the, the the film of him, it doesn't take, like, a, a football uh, savant to be like, all right, he's got good size, he moves extremely well, big hands, athletic, uh, good metrics, multiple-time, like, Conference USA first-team member. Like, you know, he's a guy who has – he's a competent offensive lineman. And, and, and to me, so that was just a, a – a good reminder that we get into this semantics game sometime and and ultimately like take a step back. Like does FSU want him? Does the school want him? How are they approaching this recruitment? And and that might be the best way to to view it sometimes. So that's, that's yeah. And to be fair for context, I thought this was actually
0: a little fun story because I put it on there because I didn't even know what it was about. I think it's funny that it ended up turned out to be like this Um, for context. And for fairness, this transfer portal is new for everybody. And it's new to the people covering it, the multiple outlets everybody's going to find their way to cover it and what they deem to be an official this or an unofficial that. I mean, look at everybody's hit rate and you decide with your money, your subscriber, like dollars, which one's the best. I personally think it's us. But I mean, cut people some slack too. It's all all new stuff. If it continues to happen again and again, then it's more of a pattern. But, you know, give everybody some slack. We're all trying to figure it out together at the same time. Speaking of trying to figure it out, Edwin Joseph. Fun last week of that recruitment for that South Florida DB to try to figure it out. What happened there? This was a kid that was underrated, I thought, in terms of the rankings and the type of skill set that he brought, but he was definitely not undervalued by the teams at the end, man. This was a recruitment that was more reminiscent of like a high blue chip with the amount of interest and in the twists and turns at the end, Zach.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um it was wild towards the end, like you said. Um He took an official visit to Florida state kind of that two weekends before signing day, that same weekend as Conrad Hussey, they were actually pretty close. Um, I think, you know, Joseph ending up at FSU actually helped um, FSU with with Hussey. Um, But, you know, after that official visit um, to FSU, you know, we were hearing that it was pretty much a done deal to FSU. Um, He was going to announce the decision most likely that upcoming weekend on Saturday, um he was playing in a national championship game out in Las Vegas and if you <clears throat> sorry if you listen to the po- or to the broadcast of that national championship game believe it believe it was actually on ESPN or ESPN2 um they were like yeah we were supposed to have Edwin Joseph announce something today but that's off and the reason oh, for that yeah weird, the reason for that dude. Is another he,
0: weird thing yeah
2: he he ended up um, taking a last minute official visit to Louisville with their new coaching staff with with, with Jeff Brom in place after they um, parted ways with um, Satterfield, and I think uh, you know that was kind of the 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 other school um, that that was a little bit worrisome at the end was Louisville. Um, he took that last official visit there. It was basically one day, just that Sunday after the official or after the national championship game on Saturday. Um, but you know, following that, um, FSU kind of regained its ground, regained its traction in the recruitment uh, within the final week. I think South Carolina tried to get involved. Miami was another school that made some kind of late push that was kind of weird because they didn't really get him on campus. But I guess Thirsty they, had met, boy, yeah, again. they met with his parents on Friday, and he wasn't even in town. But I think they originally <laughs> thought he was going to be in town or something like that. Um, so, yeah, they met with his parents then. Um, Miami was a school that was definitely trying to get in the mix uh, within the last week. Um, Penn State, South Carolina, then obviously Louisville, like I said. FSU was, was the program that that had the momentum within that last month. And I think that just kind of um, went out uh, in the end, but it definitely wasn't a, a for sure thing at all points um, in that last week. Right. Cause he, he yeah. was planning to make that announcement and then, you know, decided to put it off to signing day and ended up taking one more official visit before making things official with FSU. So um, definitely, you know, not as crazy as like a Conrad Hussey, but um you Know you know, with these South Florida recruitments, there's always bound to, you know, there's always something that's bound to happen in that last week, um, whether it's a new school getting involved or just some crazy thing. Um, and I think that's another case, um, uh, as we as we saw with Edwin Joseph,
0: yeah, it was like a diet hussy recruitment, like a Clover <laughs> Valley hussy or something like that, right? Yeah. Like Dr. Thunder, Sugar um, free. Yeah. absolutely right. Um, and it is interesting. I mean, it's fun for me to make jokes and stuff, but the late cycle success against Miami I think is really interesting because one thing that Mario can do is recruit his ass off in high school, dude. Really, really impressive yep. recruiting class that they've had in Florida State. Not on all. Obviously, there's like recruitment like the Demari Brown recruitment, stuff like that, where Florida State did lose out. But the, the late cycle success is interesting. And let's see if that's something that the momentum can continue to be kept up in because Florida State's always been pretty successful in South Florida traditionally. So I thought that that was a fun little barometer. Um, the Brock Glenn recruitment, Brendan, felt really good. Ohio State offer came in. At the time, FSU fans, we know what that means. He gone <laughs> and he was gone. But then he came back. What happened with Brock Glenn? A story of man consistency they climbed in that recruitment they got the relationship one percent better every day and they won out in the end against Ohio State man what happened there for the very talented quarterback from Tennessee Brock Glenn
1: yeah, FSU had a pre-existing relationship with Brock Glenn like before he got offered in the spring so I think that's kind of an interesting storyline in all of this too is as FSU expanded its quarterback in the spring and at the time Tony Tokar's got some some flack from the fan base because it it ruffled feathers with chris parsons put that that sure thing that you had on on even footing on, on equal footing uh so fsu to be fair it wasn't like this just snap of the finger judgment where you said we're going to go after brock links we liked the way he looked this spring that right. was part of it they were able to see chris Parson and Brock Glenn within a couple of days of each other. And I think that made it a pretty clear decision based on their evaluation with what they were looking for. But this is a coaching staff that was from Memphis originally. Brock Glenn is from Memphis. We're talking about Tony Tokars. We're talking about Mike Marvell obviously. Uh, Cooper Williams went to Lausanne uh, in high school. And Cooper Williams is a GA for FSU with the offensive side of the ball. So you had multiple guys who knew that coaching staff well. That coaching staff knew FSU's coaching staff. And thus you had a bridge to to Brock Glenn to know about his personality and had coaches really vouching for him. So FSU decided to go all in on Brock Glenn and for a while kind of felt like it was going in a really good direction, but because Ohio state came in there so late and other schools did too, Notre Dame, uh, who else? LSU, I believe like he got a handful of really good offers towards the very end of, of the summertime, which is usually when quarterback commitments have made their decisions or that's the latest part. They'll usually make it. So that's what happened. FSU rolled the dice there. For a little while, it seemed like they lost. However, uh, FSU maintained consistent contact in that relationship, even as he committed to Ohio State. I think what's noteworthy is a big reason why, as far as I could gather, why Brock Glenn didn't commit to Florida State at the time. He didn't know whether that coaching staff would be in Tallahassee in two or three years. Remember, Mike Norvell was coming off of a five and seven season. It was three and six the year before. He didn't know whether that would be the long-term coaching staff. So FSU positioned itself to recruit him. One, they stayed in it, but but two, like they, they won games. They had proof of concept, which was huge. And that's where they ended up getting momentum pretty late in the process. I think if FSU was coming off of a seven or eight win campaign in 2021, they would have gotten Brooklyn anytime they wanted him in the offseason. Uh, because of the relationship was so strong, but you know, FSU had the relationship in place there, uh, and and again they gambled, but it wasn't this reckless gamble. Uh, in fact, I think FSU would have been in a really good spot to flip. Hey, this may have been more fun and better for page views for us. I think they would have probably flipped Emory Williams from Miami uh, had they not gotten Brock Glenn. Zach's nodding his head because of that that I think FSU would have oh, been in, in good. Interesting. It okay. would have been in good spot then too. So again, it wasn't this reckless you know, Chris Parson decommits and we can get into that later too, if you guys want. Um, I do. Okay. Uh, Cause that, that was, that was entertaining in its own way as well, but you know, FSU made a, made a play to be aggressive. It wasn't a hundred percent guarantee the Ohio state offer really changed things for Brock Lynn. They had a backup plan. If things did not go well for him, they stayed through their process. They trusted what their relationships were. They bet on themselves. Most importantly, Ended up working out for Florida State pretty well because Brocklett apparently is impressing people so far toward duty in, in the offseason early on here.
2: Why would you think that they had a shot to flip Emory Williams?
1: Mm. Sorry, I'm trying to think about what I can say. Um, Do your best. Put it through I, the Brendan filter. Yep, There was communication. There from both sides. And Emory Williams was observed on campus once or twice during games. He didn't visit as a recruit, but he visited as a fan. I think he's from the Panhandle, so his family is FSU fans. And the fact there was consistent communication. Remember at this time, too, Miami did have a quarterback commitment, another one in uh, Jaden Rashada, and saw how that went oh. for a couple different programs of the state. Uh, and Ken and Dillingham ends up winning the days. So it all kind of goes this weird full cycle type of type of dealers still so is fsu connecting there too but uh but yeah i think fsu was in position to get emory williams if they they really kicked and, and pushed for that uh, the communication was strong between both sides is what i'll say and typically if you're a quarterback recruit you don't keep talking and you're committed and you're a senior you don't keep talking to other schools that often
0: good point good point. Did that was that okay zach i that, yes. that, that, that That's sounded efficient. good to me okay it sounded homogenized enough um Speaking of strong relationships, Zach and Recruit's moms. The silent assassin, (laughs) Zach Blostein. Keldrick Falk's mom loved you. Jaheem Bell's mom loved you. Apparently, there's a note about something happening with the Virginia linebacker commits mother. Uh, Talk to me about you and the mom there, Mel Funter, What's
1: going on? Whoa.
2: I don't know about that. Um, But, no, I just – sometimes when you can't get an answer from a recruit you reach out to their family and a lot of uh recruits are a lot of recruitments are run, run by the the mothers and i think mm-hmm. uh you know sometimes you just got to reach out and get it straight from the source that's um, right so, you
0: do that's right um,
2: gotta weirdly sexualize it of course um i don't but know what no. you're talking
0: about i'm just talking in my normal voice
2: yeah totally um <laughs> no but i think uh no, Jaheem Bell's mom was awesome. We did an interview like right after he committed because Jaheem wasn't talking with the media at the time. Um, but she had reached out during his visit because he didn't want any like photos taken of him. He just wanted to go through the, the transfer portal recruiting process kind of low-key. Sure. Um, but just basically set up an interview for, for right afterwards to kind of talk about um, his decision. Um, So that was pretty cool. And then Kendrick Falk's mom, I don't know why that comes up. Basically what happened... Um, You know, obviously that one got away from Florida State on signing day. Uh, But the night before, I'd been talking to Keldrick, you know, throughout his recruitment pretty consistently. Um, And I made a call that night to just kind of see what was going on, um, see if he knew where he was headed. And his mom picked up and I guess she had uh, taken his phone, um, not taken his phone, but he had handed his phone over to her. 'Cause he wanted to sit down and not This is an
0: overwhelming great. night for the kid, yeah, man. That night before him. that recruitment, too. If yeah. you want to shed some more light on that too, as you're talking about your relationship with his mom, that's fine. Yeah, I
2: think I think this is kinda uh, allows me an opportunity to do that. Like I think um, you know, that night was kind of crazy just because he was basically the way she explained it to me is he was getting nonstop phone calls from both reporters and coaches and just his phone was not stop buzzing. He didn't have time to sit down and, and really think about where he wanted to go. And I think at that time when she picked up the phone, that's what he was doing. Um, So just had a brief conversation. And then obviously Keldrick makes the move to flip to Auburn, the the following day, Um, maybe that was a sign. Um, But no, I think, (laughs) I think the one thing that was weird with, with Keldrick Falk's recruitment, and maybe we've talked about this on the podcast before. um, And I think this is like through FSU off a little bit. was Keldrick, and Brendan can talk on this too. Sorry, I'm like derailing the com- or my like point, but
0: we're right um, on the tracks. You're fine. Yeah.
2: So I think uh, Keldrick was kind of uh, built as this guy, and, and you know, evidently from his first commitment, um, was just always like his own thinker, um, and, and was always making decisions on his own. I think the first commitment, his first uh, announcement that July, he only told his brother of his decision before making it public. Yeah, the coaching um, staff
0: didn't even know, right? Yeah. I had but, called him
2: that morning. He's like, it's going to probably be Florida State. Um, and obviously I had to, you know, uh, keep things quiet. But I think I was, you know, made in the made aware of his decision before he told any coaching staff. So I think they truly knew where he was going. Either
1: Any coaching, like even his yeah. own high school coaching staff, they did not know where he was going to
2: go. Zach,
0: you knew before that all those people?
2: I, I guess so. That's how subscribe, that's what i yeah.
0: Subscribe to Knowles247.com right now. <laughs>
1: subscribe to knowles247.com. Zach, Zach did build a fantastic relationship with Celtic Falk. I, I hate that Dane and I derailed it with a Falk in the Road, though.
2: Yeah, he ruined it. Um, yeah, so no, but I think that that's kind of what was so weird about the last little bit of his recruitment because he was telling reporters and telling FSU that. The reason he visited Auburn that Sunday before signing day was because his mom told him to go check it out, and that was never Keldrick. Keldrick was never you know obviously, you're going to listen to your mom like what your mom's telling you, but Keldrick yes. was this is my recruitment. I'm going about it this way. These are the school the schools I'm interested in. This is the school I want to go to in Florida State the first time around. But it seemed like everything kind of changed in that last week. Um, maybe his mom had more of an influence on him then, and then obviously. Um, got him to take that visit according to what he was telling both reporters on record like myself Mm -hmm. and, um, and obviously the the FSU coaching staffs themselves. So yeah, I think uh, it was just a a weird deal towards the end, just not really on par for how he handled the the rest of his recruitment. And, you know, he, he'd been saying, I think afterwards, um, after he announced for Auburn that that was the school he always wanted to go to. It's just, obviously they had, some issues going on there for the better part of his recruitment when, when Brian Harson was there and, you know, who knows how Hugh Freeze is going to do, but, but good luck to, to Keldrick. He was always super, um, you know, great with me and just helping me out and, and, you know, telling me what was going on behind the scenes of his recruitment. So appreciate him and, and, you know, appreciate his mother for, for um, answering the phone that, that last night before he announced.
0: And it did kind of always feel that way because that school never went away. It did kind of – and I don't know if he – I mean, he said it, but you never know. People say a lot of stuff after they sign. But it also honestly felt like the kid – the in-state kid just always wanted to go to Auburn. And that school was such a dumpster fire, they never gave him a chance until they did. So,
1: And and I think FSU knew that if Auburn ever got it figured out, whether that season on the field or got a coach in place who was competent, uh, that – they were, they were fortunate that they were able to capitalize on Auburn being down at that point. And so I think FSU was aware of that, but I think they also thought they weathered the storm long enough uh, with the heat freeze higher that they would have been okay going into that, that final weekend. So it, it happens. You roll the dice and for out-of-state kids sometimes, and, and you have a higher volatility rate.
0: Well, we talked about Zach and moms. Let's talk about Brendan and dads. Brendan had some fun relationships with the recruiting dads. Let's talk about your the Chris Parson recruitment, decommitment, the saga, and then maybe some fun interactions that you had with Mr. Parson.
1: So let's – Zach and I talked about this yesterday. I know it's on the on the sheet tray, and I think it's worth talking about, but only so much. I don't want to get into the weeds on it. Uh, but just – what I'll say is that my yeah, – I deal with a lot of, when I do get into recruitments, I like to, to deal with parents when I can, because I think they, they end up holding the strings and sure. they're helpful. Uh, this is one of the few times where I thought that the player was more respectful and mature to me than say the the parent was. And uh, if anyone had listened to the spaces back in that, that TJ had done when Lamont Parson, Chris's dad, jumped on there. I think that, and he started making analogies to picking up women at bars, and and as it applies to quarterback recruiting, I think that might be a, a good indicator of of what we were dealing with, with behind the scenes. Um, and the only reason why I say that is because I think other schools outside of Florida State had similar experiences with their Chris Parson recruitment, where they, a lot of a lot of coaches really liked dealing with Chris Parson. They weren't sure if they want to deal with everything else surrounding Chris Parson. I don't think that's why I, Florida state would have taken Chris Parson as a commitment. they built the relationship with them. They like Chris Parson. Sure. Uh, but when, when the Brock Glenn and uh, uh, Ricky Collins offers went out in the spring, I think Chris started seeing the writing on the wall that, Hey, they, they like other people, which is totally understandable in the recruitment. And I think he had, uh, his dad was in his ear also trying to push him to go elsewhere and look elsewhere Uh, back to my involvement in it. Like, yeah, just dad, wasn't super nice to me in a very brief interaction. Uh, I understand he's being protective of his son. Uh, I think Zach had a similar experience where he was accused of some things that Zach wasn't doing. and would never do. And so just things like that And our story isn't uh, unique to us, which is why I'm okay. Saying it publicly, if it was just an us thing, I I think that'd be one thing, but uh, if it, ended up becoming kind of public and other programs were having similar issues there with, with that recruitment. I guess it's kind of fair game to talk about now. I tiptoed around it as best as I I could. I don't know if that's just as a,
0: just as a concrete, just for a clarification, Chris Parson was never not a take for FSU. He just wasn't going to be the only take, right? Like ideally, if everything would have gone ideal, Florida state would have two high school quarterbacks committed Brock Lennon and Chris Parson. Yeah, Is that
1: fair? I think that's fair. Although I will say, I guess when they when Brocklin went to Ohio State, I don't know if FSU reversed course a ton either. So they were okay with with him departing ultimately. Yeah, they would have okay. taken him. Um, they did not feel like they had to at, at that point. Zach, anything else to add? I have to ask.
2: No, I think Brennan covered it perfectly. Um, like we both kind of dealt with it in different ways, but. Um, was not a, a fun recruitment to cover, especially towards the end. Um, was trying to, you know, just uh, I mean, that last like official visit was so weird. I think he took like an official visit and like a week later, like, decommitted. Um, so I thought that was super weird. It was just that that recruitment that last month after FSU offered those two guys heading into the summer, um, Brocklin and Ricky Collins. Like, it was different. Kind of, yeah, the writing was on the wall. Um, and I think Brendan put it perfectly. I think like when he actually did decommit, um, you know, FSU wasn't, oh, let's go push for this guy to come back in the class or anything like that. Um, I, I so don't think
1: that, FSU yeah. knew that. It, sorry, uh, that reminded me of something. I, I don't think FSU, like, FSU found out Chris Parson decommitted publicly, not from Chris Parson. So, ah, when we all did. Yeah. And I liked, I like Chris Parson. I think highly of him. I know a lot of people, uh, not just at FSU, but other college programs do as well. So, like, Chris Parson, the person that's not who we're talking about right yeah. now. It's just I think he was getting not great advice at times from what I can gather in, in my own observation. Well, that was a weird one and not fun, but let's have some fun. Is, if there's anything
0: that you guys want to get to before that you think is noteworthy before arousing – Engagement of Buy or Sonown, sponsored mm-hmm. by the Turner, Turner Group. Group. Turner Group. Turner Group. Turner Sorry, Group. Anything me. else you want to get to before we do Buy or Sonown by the Turner Group? Copyright registered, trademark copyright. Zach, you raised your hand so politely. Go ahead.
2: Just a quick one. Jaheen Bell Merchgate. Um, <laughs> that
0: was fun. That. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, just like a one day thing. So before Jaheen Bell announced his commitment to Florida State, you know, I was kind of hearing that things were trending well there. Um, and that Bell and his family had actually canceled their planned official visit to, to USC um, just, you know, based on distance. What I didn't know was that a you know, menacing hacker was oh, going to get a
0: hold. so, so dastardly, yeah. these hackers these days.
2: And he's just so skilled at graphic design. He was going to get a hold of Bell's merch line and drop some of his own FSU related items for sale. On, before
0: the commitment, which, yeah. I mean, hopefully they're giving that hacker a cut because I think it's still the same designs, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. He, uh, what are you guys
1: implying? Know, that I'm just talking, merch man. link
2: was quickly taken off social media, um, and he tweeted at his followers that he had been hacked and to disregard what was on there. That was the day before he announced. He then announced his decision to, to transfer to FSU um, that next day, and um, the, the merch line... Got back on there, standing on business. I think is uh, some some of what. Which the is church, awesome, uh, guys. Also,
0: yeah. buy you know, listen. It costs a lot to have a good firewall and like antivirus protection, things of that nature. Go buy his merch too, because also, number one,
1: dope slogan. Number two, how about your knolls. And also, don't click on the link on in Twitter DMs. Just don't do it, guys. It's been going around. Just don't do it.
2: Yeah, I have pretty much every (laughs) – Dane's the only non-recruit. Like I I have every single recruit like – or tons of recruits like messaging me like hacked links because all their (laughs) accounts got hacked from clicking on links. Jameis
1: Winston (laughs) clicked the link too. Yeah,
2: Jameis Winston and then Dane Draper.
1: Anybody who grew up in the LimeWire generation
0: of music downloading is immune to viruses. Like I've like I've dealt with my fair share. I've I've killed many a family computer in my adolescence. <laughs> Not
1: anymore.
0: All right. Byers Sinone, uh, we good to go. Anything else you want to hit on, Brendan?
1: Nope, we're good. I think the only well the only thing was the other mom story was the Virginia linebacker recruits mom oh yeah up, yeah broke. what happened you put this I don't know what happened this is Zach didn't she get airplane air sick or something like that
2: well she just yeah it was her first time ever flying I believe um on her official on their official visit Cameron Robinson yes. is the linebacker he's talking about he signed with Virginia but there uh I think it was his first time flying and the mom's first time flying and maybe the dad's like second time flying on that official visit um to Tallahassee from where they lived I believe in South Carolina I want to say or is he from Virginia? I
1: thought he's yeah. from Virginia. Yeah, he might be in that area. Yeah. yeah, he's
2: from Virginia. So they flew over a couple hour flight and I was told the mom kind of got um sick on that flight. I think he was either on the way there or on the way back. I don't know which one specifically, but I think that was kind of a turnoff from them going to an out of state school because like, they yeah.
1: That, that could have impacted FSU's chances potentially. Yeah. Like that, those are the kind of things like when we're talking about crystal balls, like that. How much it changes, and when people don't understand that, as Trey said earlier, it is a, a snapshot in time. How are we supposed to account for someone's mom getting sick on a flight and be like, oh, "I don't want to have predicted it, Brendan." Like it's just recruiting's crazy, man. It's people. People are dealing with like. It, ah, man. People helping people. Maybe at the official
0: visit, we'll have like a pre pack with some like Drama Meme and some like some Canada dry like ginger ale or something like that. Mike, if you're listening, we know you are. Put that in the pre OV travel kit for anybody on an airplane. And also don't book them on Frontier or Spirit. Um, let's play Buyer Sinone. Brendan, what's the deal? You I mean it's it's your namesake. You want to read the questions and I participate? How do you want to do it, bud? Yeah, let's
1: let I'll read it. Uh it's sponsored oh, by the Dra- I never got to buy or before. Yeah, you'll be part of this and you'll you'll be kind of you'll be running like point and shooting guard at the same time. It's gonna be interesting. But Combo let's guard, let's okay. play as we yeah, finish this up here. Buyers known sponsored by the Turner Group. Uh, don't don't synone on buying or selling homes because it's a daunting process, fellas. You know, it, it it is frustrating to go ahead and start scrolling through all the listings and seeing stuff getting blocked off of Zillow and being pending all the time before you can even really get into the market. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's difficult and you don't want to deal with it. Find someone who can do all the heavy lifting for you. And the Turner group is who I recommend if you're in the state of Florida, the under the Keller Williams umbrella. Uh, so, so Colin, and Amy Turner, they're an FSU, uh, an FSU couple, husband and wife, and they know what they're doing. They've been doing it for a decade plus now, and they're going to help you out, find a good home. If that's something you're interested in, which you know, who wants, who doesn't want to live in a good home? Sorry, Colin. I love Holmes
0: and I love the Turners. Let's go. <laughs> All
1: right, let's start off with Sarasota, No. Eleven, Byers unknown. Poor secondary recruiting had more to do with the will to commit resources to those positions than Woodson. Let's, say, I guess, DB coach Marcus Woodson being checked out. Zach, you want to go first?
2: Combo what card. in the world are? Why are you picking that one? Um I, world well, be, because what does, we, that, even, what does I, that even mean? Like what are we I, talking about with committing resources?
1: Like I think money? they're assuming NIL stuff, but I, I think why I'm why I found this one interesting is because Zach, you took it on, on the chin back in the summertime when you mentioned there were some issues with the depth of defensive back recruiting and the the gravitas, the, the density of certain relationships. And I thought at the very end of the recruiting cycle, we kind of saw that play out where the battles FSU was in uh, Marcus Woodson wasn't really leading the charge for some of their defensive back recruits. Uh, and yeah. at least to the the extent that you would expect a guy with a reputation as a recruiter would at his specific position group. That's why I threw this buyer's to know, was for you to address that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think Marcus Woodson was recruiting at the level that he was coming into Florida State on his way out. I, I guess I can say that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think it it had to do more so with with the position coach's ability to recruit than the or wanting to commit resources to the problem. Um, I think FSU was was fine doing that, but you know they they found themselves a little bit hindered in some of those recruit recruitments towards the end, specifically Edwin Joseph and Conrad Hussey, because those relationships hadn't been built well enough um, to close easily. I think that's why we saw some of those other teams kind of make late runs because it wasn't just a, a shirt up thing. Um, you know, Edwin Joseph was talking with, you know, coaches, Obviously, Ron Dugans is involved. There was there was a multiple off other guys. Yeah, right? Ryan Partho, Guy yeah. Lemonier, Greg Moss was Greg Moss was huge. He had a personal connection to the uh, Conrad Hussey recruitment. I believe he played with one of Hussey's coaches at the college level. So um, Greg Moss is an off field DB assistant. So there were yeah. I mean that you see that happen with some recruitments, right? You 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 see off field guys if they have a really good tie with the recruit, they're going to be involved towards the end. Um, to try and land him, but yeah, I think that that there could have been a better job done um, of forming relationships by Woodson towards the end of his tenure here. Um, You know, I'm not trying to knock him, he did uh, recruit some some very talented players, especially early on uh, when FSU wasn't really, you know, didn't have much to sell. Um, Obviously, everyone's going to remember him for the Travis Hunter stuff, but he did go and land Sam McCall and Azariah Thomas, both, you know, top 100 type defensive backs um, in that, in that last cycle. And I think uh, he was, you know, at his best, one of FSU's best recruiters on the staff, but I think the Travis Hunter situation did, you know, kind of maybe hinder um, some of his success after um, that all unfolded.
0: Yeah. So as the question's written, definitely uh, Sinon, I think you can kind of tell like one time if it happens with like a Derek Ray and the the Blake Nicholson thing, where if the off-field guy is a good in, um that's one thing. You gotta use whatever relationships you have to your advantage. Started to become a pattern there at the end where he wasn't involved in most of those near the home stretch. So I think that uh I don't know if it's because he was checked out, but I don't think the job was being done to the fullest extent of the ability that he'd shown in the past. So I'm gonna go sinon.
1: Next up, Knowles ninety-five. Byers sinon. After the Falk thing. And our lackluster DB class, Byerson holding off the Miami bag for Conrad Hussey was the most impressive recruiting win. Trey, I'll I'll start that with you, given everything that happened at the end. Uh, The Conrad Hussey recruitment being the most important win.
0: Yeah, I'm going to say bye, and I don't even know if fending off Miami was the most impressive part of that. The most impressive part of that was having a Position group, like we like we said before, the position coach, there were some, some things at the end where maybe the depth of the relationship wasn't where you'd like it to be. Uh, the fact that Florida State can muster everything else up surrounding that recruitment to not only beat the local school who had been recruiting DBs at a very high level in that exact same cycle and to fend off the Big Ten powerhouse that he'd been recruited to for more than half of a year. Yeah, I'd say other than – to me, the biggest recruiting win was keeping Hakeem Williams committed. The second biggest one of, like, the traditional, like, flipping a kid, like those type of stuff, like not a retention win, was Conrad Hussey for sure. It was – it would have been an impressive win no matter what era of Florida State recruiting it would have been in. Like, I thought it was just a legitimately very impressive, very impressive process.
2: Zachary? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'll buy that. I think it was important, especially after the Falk thing happened, and FSU's need for specifically safeties. Um, you know, that's a, that's a uh, position group that they definitely need depth at after losing yep. Jamie Robinson and trying to, you know, both replace him and, and kind of fill into the, the depth of that position. Um, Conrad Hussey's a perfect fit for that. Um, he's going to come in and have a chance to be, you know, in the two deep uh, in year one at FSU, even though he's enrolling in the summer. So yeah, huge in that aspect. And then also just kind of healing some of the wounds from, you know, Keldrick Falk flipping away the day before. Um, I think, you know, kind of closing out the high school cycle on a strong note was a positive thing for both, you know, FSU fans and the staff themselves.
0: And Zach, another thing to note too, a good, like maybe extrapolation for the future of what FSU can do, Recruiting with a
1: good record with elite mm-hmm. high school kids, right? Yeah, it was legitimacy to like the momentum at the end of the year. At that point, we didn't know if it was only going to be applicable to transfer portal kids. Could you recruit a coveted high school player, right? And that at least yep. proved that that you could go and, and win some legitimate battles, um, for sure. For sure. TB three golf seven one four buyers unknown. Sponsored by the Turner Group. Chris Carson was always going to be quarterback too. After Tokars headed out on the trail, Zach, uh, Chris Parson, QB2 after Tokars went out on the trail. I assume that means in the spring.
2: Like when he was, when Tokars was promoted?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess I, I just assumed headed out on the trail meant like that spring when Tokars, that was his first. Yeah, day. I mean, it's when, the same, when Tony
2: Tokars went and saw Brock Glenn and Ricky Collins live um, and then came back and probably evaluated their film and compared it, um, I think that was probably um, like and Chris Parson. You yeah. saw Chris
1: Parson on that yeah. same they,
2: they, they saw all three. And I think after that, they kind of like Tony and then, you know, the rest of staff kind of realized like, yo, like we should probably take another quarterback in this class. I don't know if they were, they were being like, yo, these guys are, you know, one, or this is quarterback one, this is quarterback two or anything like that. But, you know, I'll buy that, that, you know, after Tony got out on the trail and got to watch some of the quarterbacks for the first time, You know, first time in that role as FSU's quarterback's coach. Um, At the end of the day, Chris Parson committed to FSU before Tony was in that role. Um, He was an an assistant, you know, an off-field guy. Um, That was Kenny Dillingham's recruitment um, until Kenny left that offseason for Oregon. So um, I think uh, it was only right that Tony got a say in, you know, obviously the quarterback that he was recruiting um, and bringing in in the 2023 class. And I think once he got on the trail, he was able to make that decision for himself.
0: Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty easy buy. There was a clear reshuffling of the board as far as the priorities of quarterback after the evaluations remain. It's just like anybody getting a new job, like they want to put their own stamp on it. And he did the due diligence of doing the quarterback evaluation, not taking the talented kid that was handed over to him. So high risk strategy looked like it paid off with a high reward. So I'm going buy. I want to disagree with Zach, but I can't
1: so far. It. It legitimately drove me crazy seeing the fan response in the aftermath of like when Brock Glenn was taking a while to make a decision. It ended up being Ohio State, but like look at the offers that Brock Glenn was picking up versus what Chris Parson was picking up when they both reopened up their recruitments or when you know things really started to develop in the summertime and it was moving day. Uh, you're talking about Ohio State, Notre Dame, LSU versus like Mississippi State and Cal. Like, what are we talking yes. about here? Of like. People were going? just
0: worried about striking out again, man. I mean, at that point, yeah. you got to give you got to give everybody's mindset in the spring right. and summer a little bit of leeway. Like coming off 5 and 7, national people are writing stories about other coaches on the hot seat. You might not have another quarterback again in the cycle. I mean, I, but I get what you're saying. I it, it was a valid strategy and it worked out. Right. But I,
1: I I give a little bit of leeway to people who are freaking a smidge. I, no, I understand there being some trepidation of it, but like it ultimately, like I, I think a lot of it comes from like the Willie Taggart era of not getting quarterbacks from multiple classes, or what the end of the Jimbo Fisher era was for yeah, quarterback yeah. recruits. So I, I get that you're talking about some some uh, exit wounds from from the past, but like man, if you if you were going to lose a quarterback whose next best option was Cal well, man, like that wasn't going to be the guy that was going to get you out of the tailspin anyways. I think that was yeah. always my point. That's was, fair.
0: That is actually fair. I mean, it, ideally somebody that you'd probably recruit over anyway, I guess, if you have the success that floor states accustomed which, to having. At
1: that point, we were there in the spring. We saw Luke Romanhawk throw next to Chris Parson. People pay us money for our recruiting intel and uh, presumably our analysis. If We're all telling you, if you have five different people, six different people, they're all telling you the same thing. Like this is the superior quarterback. This is the guy you need. You listen to the people who, who you pay money to. Sometimes and that was that before, be my advice. Luke, yeah.
2: That was before Luke even took a high school starting snap at quarterback. Back Correct. Camp.
1: This is from all right. So this is kind of my fault, guys. When I started the buyers' known prompt, I asked for tribe twenty twenty two commitments. <laughs> uh, twenty twenty three cycle. <laughs> standard i just got preachy about how people should do things and then i, I actually up my like own job yeah this is a good one uh so it did yield something in in typical sunon fashion a screw up ends up becoming a win and we spin it into a w buyer sunon sam mccall would not have signed with us to begin with if travis hunter had flipped or decimated way earlier uh trey i will start off with you buyer sunon sam mccall not getting here travis
0: hunter wasn't I don't, and I don't have the inside information that you guys do because I don't even know if I was on. I don't know if I I don't. I wasn't even on the team for. I think the majority of this, but I'm going to say I think that's a clear buy, man. I don't even know if Travis Hunter would have decommitted in the morning. I don't think Sam McCall would have signed. I, I really don't. I think it was just part of like I don't know. I don't know if want to call it a package deal, but like group chat, like energy and. I don't want to say that the kid – and you guys would know better because you're on the practice field. I don't know if there were sour grapes after the fact, but the kid never really seemed bought in here at Florida State, even when he was getting the freebies of special teams work to try to keep him engaged, when he wasn't really that good at it, at least from on-field production. So to me, it looked like he was never really fully bought in. And I, I don't know if you guys can elaborate, Zach, if there were, if there were, you know, hurt feelings or felt betrayed by Travis, but yeah, if Travis Hunter would have decommitted at any point before the time that he did, I don't think we would have signed Sam.
2: I a hundred percent agree. Um, that's an easy buy. Like, I mean, the whole time Sam McCall was at Forest State, he was constant, like Brendan had heard this constantly comparing himself to, to other people, other situations at different schools and I think, you know, if you translate that to his recruitment, if Travis Hunter is going to make this crazy decision three days before signing day that he's flipping to Jackson State, um, I think Sam McCall would have definitely reconsidered his decision and not gone to Florida State. I don't know where he would have ended up, but um, yeah, I, I think he's definitely a guy that was probably um, following in, in Travis Hunter's footsteps a little bit. Yeah, me, uh, I think that's fair.
1: Let me ask you guys this, Byers-Sanone, you would have liked one more season of Sam McCall just for shits and gigs. Uh, a
0: bot now. I don't have the insight that a practice there's there really is a value to culture, attitude, effort, especially with a younger guy who's going to be like mentoring the youngest guys coming in. I would go buy on talent alone. Um, but I don't know. What do you say, Zach? You saw him out there. I also don't want any sort of rot creeping in on a team that's on the ascendancy.
2: Yeah, I. For me, I'm going to known just because I think if you look at FSU's roster, top to bottom, they don't really have a lot of guys that you can point to and be like, okay, that guy's not a fit for what Mike Norvell's trying to do culturally. You know, Sam McCall is a really talented football player, but I don't think that he's a great guy to having your locker room for an extended. You know, if if he's going to make the decision to leave, like, at this point, Florida State's at, uh, you know, maybe if they they had another not great season and you're looking for playmakers on that side of the ball and you you don't really have much, you don't have a lot of, uh, you're not encouraged by what you got coming back. Like, maybe you want him for another year, but, you know, FSU's on the up and up, right? Like, we're not looking at um, Sam McCall and thinking of it uh, as some huge, huge loss like we maybe would have two years ago. Um, So, for that reason, I also know it. I think uh, I think um, FSU is fine without him. And, and you know, that's not a knock on his physical ability. I think he can be a good football player. It's just more of the off field stuff.
1: I don't think that I think that Texas A&M may have been his only like legitimate power five option from what I can gather, which is interesting that there was that much of a disconnect between A&M and everyone else. Strange. But, yeah. but I but I may not I'm not covering the Sam McCall recruitment as thoroughly as I've covered some of these other ones. So I, I think information is not double source, but I, I do think that's was interesting to show kind of what his market was as far as we can gather. Uh TPW Austin Buyer Sinone sponsored by The Turner group, group, Brendan. Trey, you're so good at this. Thanks, man. Marcus Woodson was encouraged to look elsewhere by moving on to our <laughs> final one. <laughs> NYC. I will say there was a rumor after the Clemson game that that's what was going to happen. Uh, the fact that it did happen makes me think that that rumor was true, but you know, like we try to be responsible with our information and vet it and and don't always report everything in real time. Like we're showing here because we like to see things play out, don't want to burn people as things are developing. Uh, I did get the feeling at the midway point in the season that this would be Marcus Woodson's last year with Florida state. That That is what ended up happening. So I, I do think there, uh, without knowing for sure that's what happened, I, I do think that's a – we can make that conclusion. It uh, looks that way. It does. It does. NYC Null 92 going to wrap us up here with a little FSU versus Miami mm, toe-to-toe hatred. Uh, Byers-Sanone, FSU signs both Ruben Bain and Damari Brown if there are zero family ties to Miami. Uh, I like this one. Uh, it's going to get us into some of the, the final uh, FSU versus Miami shenanigans at the end of the cycle that we've alluded to several times here. Zach, I'll start with you. Bayer Sinone, FSU signs both Ruben Bain and Demari Brown. And there are no family ties to Miami.
2: I'll say Sinone just because I think um, Miami was just, you know. I like, I, I think Miami is just doing a great job in both those recruitments, you know, aside from the family connection. They recruited Ruben Bain like crazy, um, even though his his brother was on staff. Um, and you know, maybe if Ruben Bain I think FSU probably finished second for him, but like maybe if he doesn't go to Miami, he doesn't have the tie there. He's considering Alabama more or Auburn at one point was receiving crystal balls for him. So you never know. But yeah, I think uh, I think both is, you know, if you said maybe getting one of them, um, I would have maybe bought that. But getting both is probably unlikely to me.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go Synone too. I mean, the kid, Bain's nickname is literally Hurricane, and it's hard to like try to go back in the time machine and eliminate family members for the process of a hypothetical recruiting question in 2023. But that's to say, FSU did a really good job, and who knows if those kids were 2024 20, recruits with the amount of momentum. That might be interesting, even with the family ties. I think FSU, with the kind of the other structures that are in place, I think they would be able to pull at least one of them if these were 2024 20, kids, but no, and in Miami at the time, this is before like them having like an absurd, extreme amount of difficulty hiring assistant coaches that program for recruiting so good in the high school ranks, the core McLean thing, the hiring the assistants thing. It's, it's also in like a weird, like tailspin that's kind of matched their level of on-field play. Um, but at the time, no, I, They Miami did a really good job with them, but no, I'd buy on with no family ties. I think we would have got one, and I think even with the family ties, if we had another year in that recruitment, uh, I think we would have land. I think we'd land one.
1: I think with Brown, uh, he would have gone to Alabama. I think FSU was was third there. Um, I thought they did a good job with the Bain kid, man. A Really, really good job. That's the one. I mean, his brother is legitimately on coaching staff at Miami. like, Like,
0: that
1: was. Yeah, th- that being sold as a as a marquee win, like it was. I mean, it, it's a good recruitment. It's a good recruit, and Miami got him, and they deserve credit for it. But it, you did what you're supposed to do. Yeah, right? yeah. Like,
0: I, to <laughs> me, it's you. Lo- I mean, you lost, and there's no second place in recruiting except in the transfer portal. Now there kind of is, but to me, I don't know, dude. His nickname's Hurricane. It's not like maybe if he was like Ruben, Cyclone Bane or something. I don't know. or like, But he's not. He's named after that specific weather pattern. It is what it is.
1: I, I think the Brown brothers, I mean, uh, the older Brown, uh, the, the Devontae Brown, who I think FSU was a good spot for the UCF cornerback. Uh, I do get a feeling that both the – Miami made a good play for both of those brothers, and I, I'm pretty sure that that was a – Phrasing here, uh, the most robust nil opportunities if they were to go to Miami, I think that presented the best route for both of those brothers. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if if them that being Miami because of the the uh, familial ties was the ultimate deciding factor there, but the chance for playing time and. Uh, NIL opportunities, I think combination was was too good to pass up as far as I can gather. So we to
0: uh, end it on a Sinone Sinone.
1: Um, Sano All right. Mom. We we should probably wrap this up because Trey's gonna get fired from his day job uh if this podcast continues. And Zach's I have the, class, yeah. Zach has his class and has lost his voice about like 10 times. So let's wrap it up. Uh Trey, do you wanna do the honors of sticking yeah the bro let me stick
0: this landing guys thank you for this episode of on the bench thank you for listening thank you for your support obviously like subscribe subscribe to the podcast subscribe to the youtube channel subscribe to the board that's where you would have known most of this stuff not all of it this was a really good episode rate us five stars all that cool stuff we are going to be here with you for the entire duration spring ball is just around the corner check out the website for our defensive pre-spring inventory series that we're doing. We're killing it right now. We love you guys. Thank you for all the support. We're going to be here with you. Go no. Keep chopping. See you
1: later.